Hi and welcome to Soulscape. I'm Jodie, the founder of Solstice. And today we are continuing our Arcana series. I'm joined by B and Audrey. Our Arcana series is using the tarot deck and the 22 Arcana cards to facilitate conversation about life, growth, change, and just kind of seeing where it goes. Um, so today we have the fourth card in the deck, which is the Empress, which has actually got the number three on it. Hi guys. Hello. Hi. Um, full disclaimer, this is our second time recording this episode. This is like a rite of passage for podcast hosting, <laughs> I think, at this point. Let's just say some shit got lost. It's fine. <laughs> We're fine. We recover. Um, but I also am quite excited to do it again for a few reasons. I think the main one is that, especially in the last few weeks, I think the qualities of the Empress and the kind of my reflections around it have deepened. Mm. And I think I can come at this with a lot more like gravitas mm. <laughs> I don't know exactly what I mean by that but yeah how She's... are you guys feeling about a re a re uh, redo I feel like I can't remember really what we said in a nice way like in a good not in a nice way because that's not <laughs> <laughs> in that um, I'm not trying to remember what we said to try and redo it again no yeah it's like right it'll be new yeah yeah hmm I feel a bit like how I feel every time I've lost an important bit of work or school or university or anything like that mm. and you just have to do it again and mm. it's like hmm yeah this was probably always going to happen and it somehow has always turned out fine so mm-hmm. yeah round two yeah <laughs> I think at the end it'll be like cool yeah this was the one we were always supposed to yeah do mm-hmm. we're trusting it we're trusting the timing yeah yeah what have you got for us empress <laughs> yeah. yeah so b would you like to describe the empress card and then we'll kind of go into the chats that we like to go into around maybe the psychology of it the social aspects i don't want to get too specific yeah but well i'll work my way from top to bottom just based on what i see so the first thing that we're greeted with is the number three um, in Roman numerals, three ones. Three in numerology is the number of creation. So that is sort of the first thing that we're met with here. Creativity is the big theme here. Two's company, three's a crowd. Two people can make another. So this is sort of where we're at. There's a yellow background. Yellow in the tarot is um, synonymous with higher levels of consciousness we've seen a lot of yellow in the magician as well she has a hat of stars so there's a a figure of a woman who's sat on a very comfy cozy red plush throne with the feminine symbol in a heart by her you know side she sits in a forest with a river flowing through it and just to the right of the card, there's a little waterfall. Um, fun fact, this river comes from the water that is in the High Priestess card. So mm. all water in the deck comes from the High Priestess. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so this shows their kind of connection because obviously she's number two. And then we give way to number three. So here we are. I don't think I realised, maybe I did, there were stars. Yeah, we did stars have on her crown, which... I've forgotten that. Mm. I wonder what that... That's all about the kind of goddess archetype and why she sits in the divine realm. Um, I remember last time talking about the struggle I had with trying to figure out why she sits in the divine triangle on the Kabbalistic tree of life. So she links the the fool and the magician and they form a triangle together. And I couldn't understand if she is, in theory, the divine counterpart to the emperor, why they don't sit sort of adjacent to each other mm. in, you know, equal, but they don't. Mm. She's higher than him, but that's because he's four and four is the number of support so he supports her um you need stability in order to be creative so Mm. that's sort of why and then you have this kind of buxom field of wheat underneath her all around her and you know the forest in the background so it's very lush depiction and she sits in this you know white dress with like strawberries or something on it um (laughs) roses Roses, flowers, some kind of fruit or flower, mm-hmm. something that blooms. Um, that's fertile. Yeah. So the kind of there's another running theme of blossoming, being fertile, things growing, things being created from nature. The goddess archetype is expressed always in nature, mother nature. That's why she is feminine. We can't really escape the empress sort of she's all around us and that's sort of how this card can go from being you know your mother to being the literal world around you that holds you so mother can be on a personal scale and it can also be on a divine scale um and that's where she sits so um we've gone from jumping off the cliff to is the fool yeah to you know creating our own reality you know wielding the energy of everything to tapping into our intuition to kind of sitting in the world around us and is, yeah is it interesting that even just the position so I re-listened to the high priestess one just um podcast and seeing this one it's interesting the positioning of how they're sitting the high priestess is face on Mm. and very kind of straight and the the empress is slightly to the side a bit softer it's kind of just feels that not so direct like just there mm. so that's a bit more mm. it feels comforting like yeah. you can always go and sit on her lap or something yeah. yeah i was gonna say her dress is very like maternal or something about the drapiness of mm-hmm. it it's really mm. soft you know it looks mm. like a comfortable fabric and same with the like upholstered chair she's sitting on again mm-hmm. very plush like you said soft mm. um here i guess we're already seeing like quite gendered elements and aspects to the archetype representation Mm. of what you know divine femininity in this context can be of Mm. this soft 
But I also like to kind of think of, like you were saying, rather than just the mother, but it's actually about care. It's actually about holding, um, birthing, holding mm. care, which is not just done by mother, you know, mm. but it's done by us and the world and, you know. Mm. I also see an ab- a complete absence of um, blues, which was just interesting as well. I can't mm. remember fully if the emperor has blues. High Priestess has, has yeah. blues. I guess the water in the back is the very faint light blue yeah. that's kind of carrying through. But really what we're seeing is like a big kind of emphasis on the yellows, the kind of wheat in the sky. And then the reds that she's holding and sitting on and um, adorned in. Mm. And the whites. And the greens in the back. And for people who don't know much about tarot or anything, the Empress, if you pull this card, you mentioned about the Divine Feminine and where would it lead you if if this card was pulled? Like the, the thoughts and the kind of discussions rather than like what you're seeing. Mm. Mm. Is it just about, is it about the Divine Feminine? Is it about the, yeah... What can it represent and yeah. mean in different readings? Yeah, I think, as always, it sort of depends on what else comes with it. Mm. Um, but for me, this is... It's card about um, creation so and nurturing. So that is sort of what the Divine Feminine is all about, is you know when you sit upon your stable structure of yourself if you you know you feel like you know you're secure in yourself and you have a stable base whatever that means to you what do you want to go forward and what do you want to bring into the world so if we take gender out of it and we take the mother con- the mother concept out of it for anybody this is if you were to birth something what would that be what kind of a mark do you want to leave on the world because a mother will birth her children and they will be to an extent the mark that she leaves on the world in quite a primal way but if we sort of take that into our modern era what is it that um yeah, what do you want to leave on the world when you exit? What do you want your little footprints in the sand to be? Um, so I kind of think of inventions, business ideas. Helping to like heal yeah. um, situations. Helping a situation that they like think people who go, say, in countries that might need help or situations or charities that that comes into my mind leaving footprints in that way Mm, like how do you care and nurture Mm. for others yeah Mm. and so yeah there's also an aspect of like beauty and the nature and the abundance as well i think Mm. and there's a big part of it i think of um of going with the flow I think it's very interesting that you've got the kind of the yellow of the magicians and the sort of slight blue of the high priestess so it kind of feels like you're mixing in these kind of 
these aspects of the divine realm like um you know if yellow represents a connection to the divine and the blue of the high priestess represents a connection to yourself and your own inner wisdom it's kind of bringing those things together and being like whatever you create is what you're supposed to create and that is also a lot of the magic of this card is that when you birth something when you create something when you give something life there has to be an element of letting that do its own thing and not trying to control it too much um because when you create something it takes on a life of its own it sort of takes on its own consciousness and you know the wise mother would understand that and sort of take a step back go with the flow like that waterfall um and resist the urge to smother and control mm. literally s mother mm-hmm. um it's interesting the word mother is literally in smother mm-hmm. okay. so this is laid back it's relaxed it's chill it's abundant it asks you what you want to create and bring into this world it's receptive but not passive and it's going with the flow but not in the negative aspects that you know you become uh, lazy or entitled or greedy that's sort of the inverse of the empresses mm. I don't know I <laughs> think of um there's like a, a funny documentary about this like woman who I don't know she just kind of like sits at home and like plays computer games all day and like gets her husband to like be her full-time carer and she's just like really really demanding and she's just this kind of like odious awful seeming person and I suppose that's kind of the flip side of the empress is this kind of like you know horrible um <laughs> controlling woman who's very entitled and very greedy and dependent fi- and, on other people yeah and feel feels like they're there and feels like the world owes them a favor and it's like no babes the world doesn't <laughs> owe you anything <laughs> you know do this for yourself you know she's solitary she does this on her own she has the support of the emperor but you know she's on her own here she kind of she does this for herself and she doesn't need the approval or the validation of other people so it's kind of can flow into narcissism in the the um, inverse reverse yeah in the dark side definitely yeah i saw when i was researching for it i saw there was aspects of creative blocks that can come up for the kind of shadow aspects of it dependence on others smothering Mm. and lack of self-reliance so it's a really i guess if we take the archetype into self Mm. into ourselves and and then self and how it relates to our interpersonal relationships but then wider than that in the global context the empress as well as the emperor which will be the next episode uh is a very strong kind of like pinnacle of foundational archetypes of what we kind of I don't know are think we are conditioned to be in life because we can see them on from a psychological perspective as the mother father archetype or the masculine feminine archetype or yada 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 now 
I've been doing so much Mm -hmm. reading and research into uh, the psychological roots of gender and gender development, as they would say. And there's some just really interesting... So it's very much on my mind, that's why Mm. I say that. Um, Some really interesting uh, ideas of gender development in relation to mother-father archetypes that started with like the whole Freudian era mm. and then have evolved into different aspects. Exactly, yeah, in the, the one we did record, we kind of touched on this whole kind of subject, but we were saying it would be amazing to go to go even deeper with mm-hmm. it. So to do that now is like do really some cool. of that. Yeah. At least. yeah. No, there's some really, I mean, I think a lot of people that have touched on really basic psychology know mm. about Freud's ideas about like sex and libido being like the driving factor of humans that was his idea and so his idea of gender identity would be formed during the phallic stages of like being a child which is where sexual desires jealousies fears and like come up and then boys have the oedipus complex and girls have the electra complex and it's this idea that uh there's an internalization of the mother and father that results in this development and Mm. becoming male or female or man and woman or boy and girl basically into these binaries that was his idea it was not based off research Mm. it was based off his own kind of empirical studies Mm. a lot of people obviously since then have challenged these theories because of so many reasons i mean the most contemporary ones are because it's so binaried um and in that it's it's kind of justifying this weird you know power relation and the genders but also there's an aspect to it that's really interesting about saying that the reason that girls develop into girls and women is because we have penis envy <laughs> so it's this whole idea mm. that like because there's this the feminine aspect only really exists and is its own thing out of envy for not having a penis <laughs> just like so funny <laughs> i have so many thoughts on that uh, yeah <laughs> go for it just that yeah i think um there's a lot with like all those like old olden time psychologists like they were pretty much i mean they're all men yeah they were all men and all of their theories were like based off of studies of men and yeah. it's just like and inaccurate studies of women yeah and it's just like inaccurate. I don't like and it's like are you really gonna say that the whole of human behaviour is based on of what these men think about other men like I just and I think that's kind of where the empress, the empress is kind of like screaming and being like hello like yeah. uh, no you you can only speak for yourself yeah. really you can't speak for all of humans because you think women have penis envy like did freud also coin the term projection because that sounds like a huge projection (laughs) i feel like i feel like a lot of men do have womb envy i think it's a thing i think womb envy is huge because it's very powerful to be able to be the portal that life comes through Mm. and i think it's you know just in terms of 
gamete size, eggs are worth more than sperm are if you take it down to cell level. That's why men can just keep producing sperm and women have these very precious like number of eggs that they're born with and a woman's fetus will already have all the eggs in it and it's like but sperm is just like this this cheap currency and I think that is reflected in Freud's projection of penis envy onto women because really he envies women women don't envy him yeah and I think I think I I sit with you in parts of that and other ways I would challenge some of the perspective the only reason I would do that is because I think it's still they're still based off of a, a binary of power imbalance of saying one is this and one is that like one is cheap and one's precious but I totally get what you're saying because there's there's a lot of like yeah really important kind of uh value and devalue that's happening there and one of the one of the first kind of female psychologists to challenge Freud's theories or to bring another perspective was Melanie Klein in 1921 and she challenged this kind of the biological deterministic factor of being like just because you were born with a penis and and you were born with a vulva means that you will turn out this way and have you know these sexual desires and yada 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 um she brought the idea of placing the emphasis and impact of an individual's experience as being impacted by interpersonal relationships so attachment and that's when it comes into this kind of like mother idea and parent idea who was your first relationship and how does that impact you and your development and your relationship to the mother-father archetype gender so there's something interesting there about like taking it away from biology anatomy as being like this is all you are and this is all you'll be mm-hmm. and because you were born this way you therefore are this and that into actually what was your relationship like with your parents because for us in the society they represent these two things often not to say everyone has two heterosexual cisgendered parents because they don't but yeah mm. and like how much the society and what you learn and what you see is that affects who you are mm-hmm. um, rather than like it'd be really interesting to know what the world would be like if we were all not affected by each other and we all grew up being completely us mm. and how would society be how would we be who would we be because there's mm. the nature and nurture mm. that's where we are mm. We've literally we've just stumbled into nature and nurture because mm. it's like sort of it's almost arguing that you know if you take away everything that you're you know innately born with um you know can you be whatever you want maybe but that thing of nature still still exists like you can't take it away there are still things about your nature like your biological sex which will always just influence certain outcomes it's kind of unavoidable and there's like definitely grey areas along the binary for sure but to an extent 
there is this kind of there are these sort of these two pillars in a way i think like especially in recent history and now that's what we're working with i can personally imagine something completely outside of that you know and i think what you're saying as well you're like definitely imagining something outside of that but equally because it's been so ingrained into this culture in our lifetimes we can't escape that Mm -hmm. (laughs) as a thing that's always kind of there and I guess linking back to the empress and I guess this is also just linking back to questioning tarot's symbolism and archetypes in general is that it's all very much complex and linked to societal constructions Mm. and so yes the empress looks like a woman in a motherly dress sitting on a soft throne (laughs) right probably has some children running around right amazing sick we all know that we're all very familiar with that and we can look at our relationships to those symbols and ideas because where where we are now kind of you know 2023 wow 2023 crazy Mm -hmm. where we are now we're imagining potentials and possibilities Mm -hmm. to break through those to Mm -hmm. break through those norms and to break through binaries constructs of gender and seeing gender as performance now because it is gender is performance Mm. um if you believe in judith butler and i guess my questions with the empress and reflecting on myself and thinking about myself and then i can pose these questions to see if any listeners want to think about this for themselves is what is my relationship to mother to my mother, yes, to a mother, to motherhood, to who I would be as a mother, to who I am as a mother. And those become so much more complex when you think about societal constructions of mother. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's complex within me. I'm going, who, who am I? Because calling me mother is like both triggering but also lovely. You know, and so how do you sit with something that's like really mm. difficult in you to be like, this feels really good and it's at the same time really horrible and wrong. Mm. And the horrible and wrong bit is that is the triggering bit because of what society makes you think that you have to be to be a mum. Mm. Or... It's limiting. It's also oppressed. Mm. The empress is oppressed. The feminine is oppressed. Mm. It's because it's in the binary of... of one needs to be powerful and one needs to be oppressed and the feminine is therefore oppressed as the weaker, the more emotional, the, you know? I don't know if you've seen, I think it was on YouTube and there was a guy, he got the, these people answered a job description and they came in for the interview and they, um, um, they described what the job was to all these different people um, and as he continued with what the job entailed they just started getting more like baffled as to how a job could be that and he said well what do you think of the job and they were like well it sounds crazy like why would anyone do that and they said oh yeah and by the way you don't get paid and they were like what what job would ever be that Mm. and then he said it's being a mum or like the primary caregiver Mm -hmm. and um and everyone was like oh my gosh yeah but like so obvious yeah that it's such an important role and like you said at the beginning like it's it's often the mum but now more often it 
it's a primary caregiver it can be like sometimes a grandparent or the dad or um, an aunt just anyone and that it's just it's, it's an insane it's an, it, it's an insane role but such an important one if we want the human race to continue but then do we want the human race to continue? Big question. <laughs> yeah. Because the tarot is the structure of universal information, so if we just, like, hark it back to this is how any universe, any system of creation would be organised, we are projecting our society onto the Empress, we're projecting our, you know, if we take it back to Freud, like, our issues with the way that our society is run onto the Empress, like... She doesn't have any of these concerns. Mm. Like, she's sat in her throne with her children running around, like, very comfortable in who she is. Like, there's space for everybody else. She's happy to go with the flow, but she is who she is and is proud of it. Um, Mm. There's no... As I say, there's no lack with her. There's no strain and stress. She's able to go with the flow. Um but she won't shrink herself into a box for anybody else. She's she's sitting firm on her throne. Um, and she's very content with who she is. She doesn't need to change or... Um, and society has put a, maybe put, put, a, put the put, negative... Put a her. label on herself. Mm-hmm. It's how yeah. she, you know, how she appears to us in this context, in this day and age. It's It's quite difficult for us it's very charged for us but for her it's not and it's kind of what would your you know how is your inner empress like how does she sit within you i suppose is the question as well to ask everybody like how how is your divine feminine like how is she comfortable does she feel squished into a box Mm -hmm. um within you does she feel like very outweighed by your divine masculine is she scared to come out voice her opinions because this is her true nature this is everyone's true Mm -hmm. divine feminine it's it's calm it's you know pretty unbothered and different to society feminine the feminine of society yeah divine feminine that's yeah Yeah, exactly it's like the 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 false feminine Mm. like the false masculine you know, the false yeah. feminine being the shrew, the horrible archetype of, you know, the naggy, sta- the naggy, needy stay-at-home mum who needs men. We only need men because society is structured around men and it's structured around circadian rhythms, you know, the rhythm of the 24 hours. That's more how a man's body would work is, you know... Um, in a twenty-four in a twenty-four rhythm, hour yeah. cycle, but women have infradian rhythms, which is more on like you know every few months. How do we you know we change in in different ways? And yeah, in our society, she's oppressed. But you know, it makes me think of like parallel universes or like the Lemurian women who are all just like wandering around in robes like that, just picking crystals off trees. Or like there's a really cool book called Herland by charlotte perkins gilman which is just about this society of women and these three men explorers who find this society and they're like what the because they're like oh there are no men here like how does this work and Mm. these women just sort of explain how it works and 
Yeah, I really also like what you said about. Um, I was thinking, reflecting inward of our relationship with, with both the false feminine and the divine feminine, and uh, how so much of that you know comes out as like internal misogyny. And I was thinking of all of us, regardless of gender identity and expression, will have some kind of internalization of misogyny, and, yeah. and because of the world we live in, and. And some kind of internalization of a false feminine and what is our you know reaction to that as well because also as someone who identifies as non-binary I have a complicated relationship with locating myself within the feminine and in the woman because that's been my experience for so much of my life has been and is being perceived as this and so I've internalized so much of that mm. I think we've talked about this before too mm. of like the uh you know, being a kid and really, really, really rejecting anything pink, mm-hmm. <laughs> anything very girly, very false feminine, mm-hmm. flowery. Like mm-hmm. I, I rejected it so much because I was so scared of it because I saw what it meant in the world mm-hmm. to be a girl mm-hmm. and to be a woman. And I saw it from a, such an, a young age. Somehow I knew, I swear I was birthed knowing mm-hmm. this information. How do you all, how do you already know what you're going to be looked at as and perceived as and what how what the world wants you to be how do you know that Mm. and like I know a lot of us we all have these kinds of like stories and and feelings and stuff it's just it's a very like um it's so unspoken and a lot of people also aren't won't ever maybe wake up to it and go and question it so we're also in a really privileged place to be sitting here being able to even question Mm. what femininity means back then do you think it is associated to the gender of the action of that Mm. or the action of how the person's being treated I think all of it Mm. I think all of it kind of is a web connected to that and I think if you believe in like past lives if you believe in ancestral trauma I think Mm. that all fits into it because I think there's no other explanation of being that young and being able to already bear witness to these things and understand them Mm. and therefore internalize them because I, I so early on I have I have these memories, uh, so I think I think the the wounded feminine sits in all of us, and I think it, we're carried in our wombs with it. You know, yeah. mm. like we know we already deeply know what that means, and then it just depends on the person you're actually like, you know, the person we inhabit in this lifetime, of where they sit on that and how comfortable and uncomfortable and how they cope with that. Mm. And, you know, my ways of coping was very much rejecting all of it. And then it wasn't until, like, my early 20s that I was like, oh, I'm allowed to also not be this because Mm. gender is performance (laughs) and I don't have to be that. Mm. What does gender is performance mean? um, So it was mostly coined by Judith Butler, Mm. who's a fantastic, like, queer theorist, feminist theorist, who talks about gender performativity as gender being entirely socially constructed and it really it, it's it's the things it's the facade it's the things we wear the things we do how we act because it, it can be a performance because beyond that what is what is it it actually mm. doesn't exist it's just the something we inhabit but it's actually not us and nor does biology determine that those are the ideas which i myself like align with them but some people will still very much, well, a lot of the world very much will say, no, you were born with a penis, you are a man. Mm. Um, it makes people feel safe if they can put themselves or something into a box, then it, it makes 
the less can go wrong because you're in this safe space and um to make there's less there can be less fear mm. so it's with, like if people yeah. put themselves right in this the is, category yeah. in the box yeah with with lots of different things like and it's just i think it's also false safety yeah because definitely. it's it's like the study um that was written about in uh what is it called the body keeps the score great book it was a study of dogs and they had like two different focus uh, groups dog groups <laughs> and uh they were both they were all in kennels and uh, they for like the duration for a long duration of time with one group they shocked them in the kennels i know very sad obviously i don't mm. agree with animal mm. testing like this but it, it, it's a very interesting concept what it proves and the other dogs they didn't but then and so so they kind of conditioned one set of dogs to under to, to be shocked and to just know that that's life basically and the other ones they didn't then they did one last shocking to both sets so the one the ones that got it for the first time it was their first time ever being shocked then the ones that constantly were shocked they just got shocked again they opened up the kennel doors after and the ones that it was their first time ever getting shocked they ran out to find safety because they knew that wasn't safe mm. the ones have always been shocked, stayed inside, mm. because that was habit, and that's what they were conditioned to do and think is safe, mm. was to stay inside. I don't know if I actually, like, go read the book, because mm. I probably paraphrased a lot of that study, but it's this idea of we think, we, what we know is what we think is safety, mm. and that's why trauma repeats, and that's why often, like, people stay in abusive relationships, because mm. maybe they were brought up around abusive relationships. Mm. What we know is not actually safe always and what we know is not actually healthy always it's just what we know and what we're used to and what is habit and what we're conditioned to be in so then do we keep playing that out even if we know it's not safe we think it you know yeah. it's like yeah. a really interesting question yeah because the categories people find safety in them because that's all they know i would argue and equally if you're at certain part if you're in certain parts of the category it's actually dangerous every single day you know for a black person for a queer person for you know for mm. for a non cisgendered white man mm. you know mm. yeah i think it's like figuring out if you if you like it or not um you know if you really look at those patterns and you're like yeah do i like this like does this do i actually no mm. quite a big realization for some people it's also hard to recognize that something can be part of you can be part of a victim space mm. like that's mm. really difficult i don't like acknowledging that something has been you know that i've been oppressed in some way mm. that doesn't feel powerful it feels powerless mm. and i think the empress energy can in in this world right now can feel like it is in that you know and that's why i think maybe the shadow aspects of it are this kind of victim victimization you know like yeah victim complex stuff mm. when really it's it's kind of for you to step into your own power exactly it's like not really for anyone else to give it to you and that's that's on healing mm-hmm. it's like a hard hard pill to swallow but it's like you know trauma isn't your fault but it's your responsibility mm. it's a big one it's really hard and we all have trauma from the masculine and the feminine i know mm. we talk about this in the mass in the, the emperor episode <laughs> uh, as well but mm. i think we talked about the 
how messed up we all are from the masculine. Mm. Equally the feminine. Mm. And equally the binary of them both. Because as a as I think we're all relatively spiritual people. Mm. You know, we're, we're talking about tarot, <laughs> right? <of. laughs> just a little, just a smidge. Sort of. Um, I'm hardline. <laughs> you Science. know, none of that bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and I love and I love talking, and I always have loved talking about like the divine masculine, divine feminine, because it gives you an out from the falsities of yeah. society, societal versions of it. But equally, I'm starting to question why why in spirituality do we have binary of divine masculine and feminine why do we yeah i I don't know i was thinking um about the how the tarot was created and then was it created in a world where there was already this social society and this complexity of men and women and where the men already become putting themselves in a place of power uh, because what were we saying earlier about the power? Yeah, is, well, the the reason binaries exist is to for one to gain power over another. Yeah, and so was even the tarot created in a time where the men were creating that sort of society concept, or was it created to dispel that mm. and say actually this is how it should be? Mm-hmm. Because with the empress and the emperor. And then I remember we talked to the emperor a bit about, um, or we're going to talk, because <laughs> we're having to record this again. Yes. Um, the 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 false masculine, mm-hmm. and sort of trying makes me try and think with this with the empress to think about the divine feminine, and almost give that enough time without having to be oppressed by the false masculine mm. and like our conversations are really interesting and and it's like well, what is actually the divine feminine mm. we have so many conversations about how the divine feminine is um affected by the false feminine and by the false masculine mm-hmm. and actually what would it look like if she was just the divine feminine was just there yeah yeah no, I, I see what you're saying. Mm. And it's so, I guess it, come, it comes into, I think about, if you think of astrology, it, astrology, astrology to me is quite nice because you can, at least I can think of it without these like masculine, feminine binaries as much. Some people do. I tend to not. But like I think of the moon and cancer, cancer and the moon, not the moon in cancer, uh, as connecting to the empress and divine femininity because it's about caring, it's about nurturing. And the moon is also a really wonderful kind of like connection to our unconscious, you know? Mm. And so if you kind of tie the empress to those things, the moon doesn't need the sun, I don't think. It sits in itself and has its own life. Mm. It, it, you know, it shines, all, even though we only mostly see it at night, it's always there. It's not like you need the balance of day and night and the sun and the moon. No, you actually, it is always there, you know, it working in itself for itself with us. Mm. I'm having a lot of thoughts about the binary mm. and just like binary computer systems. And I was just <laughs> thinking about how like the binary is creation, like, and I'm kind of treading into the simulation theory of like noughts and ones 
And if you can build an entire computer, if you can build an entire complex computer system out of two things, noughts and ones, it's like, where does that, where do those two things take you? The ones and the zeros, the yes and the no's. There's quite a lot of binaries in the tarot, the symbol of two is repeated quite a lot Mm. in in the deck the two pillars that surround that of you know kind of frame the entire tree of life is boaz and yachin severity and mercy um um so even the term non-binary is still kind of attached to the binary it's just not Mm. it's still kind of it's still close to binary Mm. it doesn't have it's like what would non-binary be if it had its own name that wasn't attached to the binary i have a few ideas for that (laughs) (laughs) i think we're gonna need more episodes on this stuff because (laughs) yeah it's so it's it's it is everything Mm. like it it's everything i'm not i'll say it to you guys after i record because I don't want to give away my clinical report title. <laughs> um, but I, I have, yeah, there's there's some really interesting queer theories that are out um, that have been working since, like, the 90s and still some really interesting queer theories that are coming out now. Equally, what that means to position non-binary versus binary is another binary. <laughs> so it's, like, a lot of, like, very complex ideas, but it makes a lot of sense, but it's also kind of everywhere, and I my brain goes immediately to queer ecologies and uh, theories around our innate connections with the environment and ecology because actually there's not a lot of binaries in nature. There is if we look at it from a human constructed perspective, but there actually aren't many. And we are we are nature. We are a part of nature with nature. And we've come full circle. And we've come full circle. <laughs> Here we are. The Empress sat in her field of wheat. Field of wheat, germination. Watching it grow and die and grow again. Mm-hmm. And that that is that is that. It's a Fibonacci sequence. I think I mean we went through so much. General questions if listeners want to have little reflections. I think about care. I think about how we were cared for as children. How do we receive care? How do we care for others? Really important questions to think about. I already kind of mentioned relationships to mother, motherhood, and this is to to all genders. Ending comments, how are you guys sitting with it now? Where have we arrived? I am really thinking about misogyny, Mm. like, quite hard. As soon as you, like, just reflecting on, like, all my own internal misogyny and just things that I maybe didn't realise that were misogynistic, that I've thought throughout my whole life. Um, I feel like I'm I'm now reflecting on this one and the Emperor having now done them both and Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if we're if this episode is more about queerness than the Emperor was which I find interesting because queerness in, in and of itself is quite creative and I feel like that kind of pushes quite heavily into the divine feminine realm. Whereas it's maybe sort of less so in the masculine. 
and so I'm sort of sitting with that at the moment being like what what does that mean and is queerness all around yeah like is, is queerness feminine or or is queerness both or is queerness none of them yeah well I will continue mm. to have the a, mm. a queer voice in in our podcast yeah, for yeah. sure and what if we didn't have an empress and an emperor what would the tarot deck look like and what would our conversations look like like what if there wasn't a divine feminine and divine masculine there it was it just was what if there was just a parent yeah an overarching like parent yeah <laughs> parent figures what's like what if we or didn't have parents. mom and dad mm. mm-hmm. or sperm and egg to put us together mm. we wouldn't be here mm. Because that's kind of ultimately it. We need the two to be here. In one way or another. Mm. But the two also... Are and are not tied to masculine and feminine. Mm. They're just body parts as well. From that perspective. But the biological thing of the egg and the sperm. It's just two things that create a life. They're symbols. Mm. Yeah. And actually don't have much to do with the person that has them in their body. Yeah. Really. I think we've landed in a very interesting place. I think this episode... I'm happy we re-recorded in a lot of ways. Mm. I think there's something that we got quite deep into here. And I also... I'm still quite excited also about our Emperor episode, which will come Mm. after this. Because I think we flip... I think we did queer it, because I think we flip a lot of the false masculine around. And think about what masculine means outside of man, mm. which I think is really beautiful. So tune in for that as well. That will come after this one. If you liked it, please leave a review. That would be so lovely. You can contact us also on Instagram at Solstice London and chat to us. Uh, we're super excited about this series so far. I'm heavily, heavily enjoying it. That's a weird way to say that. I am heavily enjoying it. And uh, I hope you guys are too you guys in the room but yes <laughs> yes we are <laughs> well in the empress fashion would we all like to say goodbye i don't know what that means <laughs> i was like what's the empress fashion how... i was like bye yeah <laughs> how would she say goodbye how would she say goodbye but she'd also like peace yeah she'd be like peace you know what maybe she wouldn't she's like a hippie mom She'd just be there and she'd, she'd just let almonds. everyone come and go yeah. whenever they want. There's no goodbyes. So. Yeah. She'd give you her we'll homemade granola and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just wish you well. She'd, you know she, what she would? She would wish you some self-care. Yeah. She would go, go on this week and take care of yourself and be your beautiful mother. Your own mm. beautiful mother. Yeah, be your own beautiful mother. I love it. Thanks, guys. Peace. Bye-bye. <laughs>